Hello, my name is uh, Pastor Richard, and welcome to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. Good morning. Today's passage is Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 43. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders, named Jairus, came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little girl is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see, the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in there where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Syncing audio and visual. Three, two, one. Good morning, Harvest. Um, Welcome to my home. And I'm so glad that we can gather here together as friends, family, loved ones. And if you're viewing us for the first time, welcome to our worship. And I just hope that today will be an opportunity where God can speak to us. Today could be an opportunity where God can show us revelation. So as we read in today's passage, it's a jumping off stone for the sermon series that we're currently in which is Jesus saves. And what's so interesting about this is that, I mean, what the purpose of the sermon series is, as we're going up to Easter, we see throughout his ministry, him saving specific people or events. Like last week, we talked about how Jesus turned water into wine and he saved the party, he saved the wedding festivity. And the purpose of that was just to show how Turning water into wine was not the main purpose of his ministry, even though it was something amazing and grand and something that the disciples saw and known like, oh, wow, this man is special. But that was not the main focus, how his ministry was to preach the kingdom of God and ultimately die for us. Ultimately, 
the last sermon of the series would be how Jesus saved all of us. And today's title is Jesus Saves Us on Time. And I think it's a very, just the idea that Jesus saving us on time is a very difficult sermon because it's a very difficult concept to think about because today we're going to try to answer the questions is how can we trust in God's timing when all things seem hopeless? How do we trust in God when we can't even see the future, when all control is gone? So today's passage that we talked about in Mark chapter 5 answers that question. How do we and how should we approach God? And we should be tr- uh, approaching God with humility and not pride. That we should, not, we should be going to Him with complete brokenness and desperation and that's what we see in the passage today with these two individuals the bleeding woman and Jairus Jairus was a synagogue leader he was a man of status wealth and knowledge and he would be in charge of the Israelites people's spiritual and business affairs of the synagogue and just thinking of what Jairus was going to do, that his daughter was on her deathbed, all the things that he must have done, going to doctors, praying, making sacrifices, coming to Jesus must have been his last resort. Coming to Jesus, he must have been so desperate. And when he approaches, when he when Jairus approaches Jesus, it's very different from the centurion man, where the centurion man says, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. I know if you say the word, I know my servant will be healed. But Jairus goes to Jesus with desperation, goes on his knees, bows to him and tells him, Jesus, I need you to come to my house. I need you to put your hand on my daughter and by that she will be healed. Very two different ways of faith here. But Jesus doesn't point that out. Jesus doesn't say, hey, Jairus, why don't you believe me enough? No, but instead, Jesus responds to Jairus' faith, his level of faith. And the biggest difference between Jairus and the Roman soldier is that the Roman soldier didn't know about faith. While Jairus had all this knowledge, all these things accumulated, he studied the word. He knew who God was. He knew who Jesus should be. Yet, You see the difference level of faith, but Jesus doesn't criticize Jairus for that, but instead goes with him. Instead walks with him on the way to heal. But on the way to Jairus' house, we see and hear about, we read about this bleeding woman that's been bleeding for 12 years and can't even imagine the, the struggle and the pain that she's been going through because and that culture, she like I said in Leviticus chapter 15, that she would have been socially and ceremonial, ceremoniously unclean. That if anyone touched her, they would be unclean. And that she and those whoever touched her, and she would not be allowed to worship or maybe be part of society. And by law, she would have been divorced from her husband. She could not even live in her own home. And she, she couldn't, she would be ostracized by society not having any contact with our friends, pretty much what it's like to have being a coronavirus today, but so much worse, suffering for this for 12 years. And for 12 years, she'd be completely shut out of society. And in those 12 years, she was not just waiting, but trying to find any way to be healed, any way to be restored, any way to be fixed and clean again. 
but nothing would happen. What happens? She spent all her money. She goes to all these doctors. And in the end, she ends up poor. She ends up even worse than she was when she started. Can you imagine the brokenness and the, des the desperation that she had? These two people, Jairus and <coughs> but the bleeding woman, she's desperate, but she wants to go to Jesus. Even just having that inclination that if I just touch his clothes, if I just touch his clothes, then I'll be healed. That faith, that desperation. That, like it says in Psalm chapter 39, verse 7, and so, and so the Lord, where do I put my hope? My hope, my only hope is in you. And these two individuals, Jairus and his bleeding hope, Jesus was their only hope. Jesus was the only solution. In a very similar way, when we feel hopeless, where do we turn to? Not ourselves. Not trying to rationalize situations. Not trying to be our own God and try to fix things. But instead, our hope should come from God and God alone. In the next part, what we hear and we read is trusting in God's timing. Because there is freedom in the power of God. Like it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for the freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. This bleeding woman has suffered for 12 years. And when she touched Jesus' clothes, she was immediately healed. And not only was she healed, Jesus felt power leaving him and questioned, where did who just touched me? And even the disciples were confused. Jesus, what are you talking about? You're surrounded by people. Yet Jesus was adamant about finding this person. And imagine, and the bleeding woman, can you imagine what she must have felt? Because by law, if she touched anyone, they would be ceremonially unclean. They would be unclean like she was. She could have been in trouble by the law. She could have been, people around her know for who she is. And when she admitted what she did, she admitted her situation. Can you imagine the fear that she must have had? This person that I touched, which I shouldn't have, that has healed me, what is going to happen? How is he, how is the Son of God going to punish me? But instead, what we see here is that Jesus has freed her from her suffering. Jesus not only made her not made her unclean, but clean, but instead she has made this woman whole. That even though she came to Jesus trembling in fear, even though she must have been embarrassed and just felt all these things, Jesus acts in a way that she never thought he would. She treats her like a, like a father, calls her daughter. Can you imagine the name she must have called, been called for 12 years? Even in the Bible, we call her, we address her as the bleeding woman. Can you imagine what the people around her, her neighbors, her enemies, people around her must have called her. But instead, Jesus calls her daughter. This intimate love, this tenderness that she has not felt in a long time. And that she is now free from our suffering, that her uncleanliness, her pain, her suffering no longer defines her. She is no longer defined by her elements, but she is now clean. 
now she is free by the power of Jesus. And as all this is going on, I can't imagine what Jairus is going through in his mind. I feel like it could be two situations. One is that, whoa, this person just healed this notorious bleeding woman for 12 years. Look, wow, what? Like, I bet he could heal my, heal my daughter. And the other side is, what is taking so long? Hurry up. My daughter could die in any moment. And that's the sad thing. That's what happened. Someone comes along, goes to Jairus and Jesus saying, it's too late. Your daughter is dead. Stop. Don't bother the teacher. How heartbroken Jairus must have felt. How pain, much pain, was she in? He in. That Jesus was too late. That God was too late. Who must have he have blamed in his life? Right then that. It's Jesus' fault. It's his bleeding woman's fault. He must have blamed himself. If I went a little bit closer, if I did this, or if I haven't done these sins, maybe my daughter would be okay. And what we see next is that Jesus heals and ministers these two very differently. Like the bleeding woman, he tells her that her, that her faith has healed her. It was not his clothes. It was not just his presence, but her faith in him and she did that jesus did this so jairus could see this woman's faith and be encouraged for his daughter that jesus called her out not only to encourage her to reestablish her identity in the kingdom of god but also to show others that this woman no longer is that bleeding woman this person that you should separate yourself in society but instead she is my daughter she is clean showing him showing her this tenderness like we talked about before and for Jairus, after he hears this terrible news, how does Jesus respond to him? How does Jesus respond to this tragedy? He tells Jairus, do not be afraid, just believe, just have faith. And that phrase we see a lot, especially in the Old Testament. Testament. We see it with Joshua, we see it with some prophets, we people, be strong and be courageous, have faith in God. Why? Because fear and faith cannot be in the same room together. What fear does, it makes the whole room pitch black dark and we cannot see in front of us. What faith does is that it reveals that there is, there is floors, there is walls. It shows us the exit where to go. While fear keeps us eyes closed, wondering what could be in the dark. While faith reveals. Jesus replies to Jairus' tragedy by saying, Do not be afraid, just believe. What do we do when we're hopeless? We rationalize, we try to figure things out, we try to make sense of everything, try to fix our issues. But Jesus here challenges that. He tells Jairus, don't be afraid, but have faith. They, Jesus goes to Jairus' house, and there's these people surrounding them, surrounding the dead daughter mourning. And back then, what happened is that 
oftentimes you would hire people to come to when someone passed away and mourn for them to show to symbolize the sorrow that you, as the person that lost someone how they felt and when jesus tells them what are you doing here she's only asleep there's no need to mourn you see how quickly they change from mourning to just laughing at jesus and how even just reading this i realize how important it is of who we surround ourselves in times and situations and places of hopelessness. Are we surrounded by people that know and act like they're mourning, but at a flip of a hat, they can just laugh and for, for a second, not rationalize, not have faith, and, for, and not sympathize with us, but only there because they should be there or because we pay them or because we put them in a situation. Who are we surrounding ourselves with? Who are we abiding with? And are, they, are these people that I am surrounding myself with, sustaining our faith, helping me bear good fruit. Jesus is in the home, shoes everyone away, and speaks to this dead girl and tells this little girl, I say to you, wake up. It's a simple words. And this little and and it's a miracle. She is alive. She is awake. And when as I read this, I think of myself that there are so many people and Christians out there that are like this girl. We may not be physically dead, but a lot of us have been asleep to the power of God. And some of us have heard Jesus tell us, I say to you, wake up. But how many of us are responding to that call? That if Jesus that Jesus we see in Jairus and the bleeding woman touches us all, touches each of us personally. And in the same way, he ministers to each of our needs. In Romans chapter 14, verse 7 through 8, it says, For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for God, and if we die, we die for God. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And that is the beauty of being a Christian. That is the beauty of what the church is today. That even though we may be in our homes alone, even though right now we have felt this loneliness we have never felt before, this desperation, this hopelessness, not knowing what tomorrow, next week may look like, we are challenged. God challenges things that you don't live for yourself. You don't die for yourself. You belong to some, something so much grander. And that's what Jesus shows the bleeding woman by calling her not bleeding woman, not this person, but instead daughter. Tim, Cole, Tim Keller has this great quote that says, Difficulties take away earthly comfort. And then through prayer and reflection on the word, this process is long in many ways painful. But the fruit is... It's a spiritual praise that no trouble can dislodge. In this situation and circumstance we are in, let us not try to shove away pain and difficulties and try to rationalize it. Let fear not keep our eyes closed to what God is doing. Let fear, in this time of desperation, what we should be striving for is that intimacy with God. Instead, what we should be going for is that deep reflection on his word. I believe that in this unfortunate circumstance, in this pandemic, 
is more and more of an opportunity to be intimate and close with God. But the question is, are we aware of how desperate enough we are? Are we aware of the pain that we have? Or are we self-medicating ourselves? So maybe I won't feel the pain today. I promise you, the self-medication that society is so good at, the pain will always be there. We may not feel it now, but it will always be there. Only when we come to the kingdom of God, only when we acknowledge our weakness, does change really happen. Church, Romans 8, it says, I mean, how do we... A lot of us ask questions. How am I supposed to do this? How can I talk to God? I don't even know what words to say. That's not fear. In Romans chapter 8, it says, The Spirit helps us in weakness. When we don't know what the words to say, the Holy Spirit intercedes for our behalf. It knows the groans and the pains that are too deep for words. And that's the issue. We come to God alone in our own flesh when we are never supposed to. Instead, let us invite the Holy Spirit in our fellowship, in our relationship with God. Let us invite the Holy Spirit daily in our families, in our homes, asking God to minister to us. So what are we to do now? How can we trust in God's timing? We must test our faith in acid. What I mean by that is, long ago, there's these many metals that have the same consistency. They look a lot like gold. And a lot of scam artists, a lot of people were scamming people saying, hey, this is gold, but in reality it was fake and worthless. So what scientists did was realize that because gold is a noble metal, they realized that it is resistant to corrosive acid. So what they did was they'll take whatever they're selling, dip it in acid, and if it changed colors, if it was affected, then it was no long then we knew that it had no worth. It knew we knew it had no value for gold. Let us not wince away from pain but instead realize that this pain and struggle that we are going through the struggle that we are going through this acid reveals the goal that is our faith even though Jairus may not have the same level of faith as that centurion soldier God still accepted him God still responded to him and healed his daughter we're not all expected to be these super Christians, but God comes to us with where we're at, the level of faith that we are at. But we need that humility only produced by struggle. As a church, I am convinced and I feel convicted today of how do we respond in our homes? I think most of us, I know that I have been struggling with for the longest time of what the church looks like. We struggle with what the function of the church looks like today, but instead, of letting fear dictate our actions, letting faith dictate the future 
of harvest, the future of every church around us in the world. I have faith that is this is an exponential time for us. This is a bookmark in the history of the church and about how we should respond. Do we cower away in our rooms to let our faith die and dive down into an abyss? Or do we instead cultivate this heart for God? Do we cultivate this desperation, this part of humility, realizing that I have no control over the things around me, that my situations in my life, like Jairus or the bleeding woman had, but instead, am I going to go for it? Am I going to go towards God saying that, you know what, I am going to drop all pretenses. I'm going to drop anything that I'm building my life up for and going desperately for you, going desperately Christ, knowing that His name has power, knowing that He is the one that saves us in time. Lord, we come before you in a place of surrender. Even though we may feel vulnerable, even though it may be terrifying, I pray we take the same advice, the same thing that you said to Jairus. That we do not be afraid, but believe that we trust in you in this circumstance. That we trust in you in this situation. That we surrender these things that have been weighing so heavily on our hearts. Trusting in your timing. Trusting that you can make my faith into gold. Even though it may not look like as big or as much as someone next to me, that doesn't matter. You still respond to our faith. And not only that, dear, you respond to us each individually and intimately in the way that we desperately, whether it's Jairus challenging his faith to grow more or the bleeding woman responding to her in intimacy. I pray for that that we seek that today, that we seek that this week, this intensity, this intimacy, only that can only become, that can only come from you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, thank you again, that your son, that Jesus is the one that saves. Jesus is the one that is there for us in the end. We pray that we put all our hope in you and you alone. Pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.